The Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation. Know the difference. Now, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management show for the Memorial Day weekend. I'm Dave Spano, CEO of Annex Wealth Management, and of course, joined in the studio for our weekend review by Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer. Hello, Derek. Hi, Dave. There is so much to talk about. You know, a lot of negative news floating around out there. Of course, the debt ceiling, what the Fed is going to do, economics. But I'd like to start with some positive news, if you don't mind. First of all, please enjoy a safe and happy Memorial Day weekend. But as importantly for the financial services industry, we had earnings season and we ended with an absolute blowout of a report by NVIDIA, one of the best reports we have seen in a long time. Right. Well, before I joined you, David Annex, I was a a semiconductor analyst. I managed a tech fund and a mutual fund. And frankly, I have never seen a report like that where basically analysts were thinking they would do 7.2 billion in sales in the quarter. And they actually came in at 11 billion. This again, reinforces the importance of artificial intelligence, not just on how it affects semiconductor companies, but how it affects the future profitability of every company. And you think about what the stock did, of course, up something like 20% this week alone. If you did have that position, it's certainly worth taking a look at because, of course, trees don't grow to the sky. But you know, you talk about AI, for example, and what that can do. And there's so many companies that are part of this now. And you think about some of the strategies that companies will employ, it could change their earnings outlook. No, I actually think it saved the market. In fact, NVIDIA despite the the 20% advance you just mentioned, is actually cheaper now than it was when it reported because the estimates have gone up 75%. Yes, right. So let's talk about, for example, earnings and valuations because, you know, there really is this dichotomy of those that have and those that do not have in their earnings world. So we often talk about the top number of stocks that really have driven the valuation, but I think people have to look under the hood. Well, that's right. And and when you think about it, those top 10 names are all very well-positioned companies. They earn great pre-cash flow. Some of them pay dividends. They're good companies. And frankly, what I hear on the TV all the time is people bemoaning the fact they don't own those stocks. Because again, it's what you own, not what you don't own that matters. But when you think about the, the larger S&P, the other 490 names, they're trading at about 15 times earnings. So that's not an absurd valuation. So my expectation is this rally will broaden over time. And so let's think about some of the risks that are out there. You cannot get away from the conversation about the debt ceiling coming together or not coming together. And it certainly looks like there's a framework in place. But this X date, the date that, of course, that the Treasury runs out of money, probably could be June 1st, give or take a couple of days. And there is a lot of things that are going in there. But the debt ceiling is very likely to be lifted through 2024 with spending caps. And I think that's an interesting idea. It's just not raise the amount of money, but cap it out. And I think that's a digestible idea. And we've often talked about this, the political shenanigans that go on in Washington, because essentially nobody has an incentive to cut spending because spending gets you votes, both sides. 
But what we're trying to do finally is see some rationalization there, which is one of the reasons why we've seen the dollar weaken and the rest, because people at some level are starting to lose faith in our in our politicians. And fortunately, this deal pushes us towards a better circumstance. And so you think about some of the things that are in there, and I thought there was some really creative ideas in there. And of course, a big part of the spending was this $80 billion that was allocated to the IRS through the Inflation Reduction Act, and of course, air quotes for radio right now. But you talk about some ideas of redirecting some of that $80 billion that both sides at least were talking about. For example, you reduce the amount of money that goes to the IRS, but you increase some of the Democratic ideas, like, for example, the National Institute of Health. So I thought that was a creative idea that could come out. But of course, that is really what is driving a lot of the consternation and the Treasury market. And I do want you to talk about what has happened with Treasury yields as of late. Well, Treasury yields have have started to rise recently, partly because inflation is persistent, but also because obviously when they pass the debt ceiling deal, uh, there's going to have to issue a lot of treasuries to basically replenish the treasury's coffers as well as fund the government. As we've mentioned any number of times, one third of U.S. Treasury debt is going to mature in the next three years. You would think that would put upward pressure on interest rates. And, of course, we have a lot coming up. We're going to talk about what the Federal Reserve could do with the rest of the season. And, of course, you know, that's raising interest rates and what that means to your bottom line. By the way, our Week in Review is always available on demand. It'll be on Spotify at the top of the hour in our Axiom newsletter or wherever you get your podcasts. We're going to take a quick break here, folks, but we'll be right back. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. It starts with a call. With one call, you can start seeing your future more clearly. If your financial picture is cloudy because you're getting conflicting tax, investment, and estate planning advice, help is a call or a click away. Annex Wealth Management's team works to get your investment plan in line with your tax plan and your estate plan. Build confidence with one team working to create one comprehensive plan as a fee-only fiduciary. Annex Wealth Management. One team, one plan, one fee. AnnexWealth.com. We're back. I'm Dave Spano, President and CEO of Annex Wealth Management, along with Derek Felsky, our Chief Investment Officer. And folks, it's always funny to talk about what we talk about during the commercial break. And of course, we were talking about NVIDIA and everything that has happened with that stock as of late. But there's a lot of stuff happening that we do want to talk about. And maybe it's not the equities, but the fact that cash is not trash anymore. No, it's it really isn't. If you think about the long-term expectations for stock market returns, you get a about a 9% number, which is roughly, you know, 5% ahead of inflation. And that's been true for years. But right now you can get about 5% in a T-bill with a three or six month duration. So you get more than half the return with no risk. So uh, what I would say is a little uncomfortable with the headlines, perhaps worried about China invading Taiwan or whatever else it is. You can take a little bit of money off your equity exposure and buy a T-bill and, and wait it out. And let's talk about how we got there in the first place. Of course, we all know the backstory that inflation got out of control and the Federal Reserve had to raise interest rates to purposely slow down the economy, especially the housing market, which is the most volatile part of that calculation. And they have done that. There's no question they've slowed that down. Mortgage rates ticked up over 7% for a nanosecond. 
But as importantly, short-term interest rates went up. Now, the Federal Reserve did this because they had to slow things down. But there are winners and there are losers in this space, Derek. And now the Federal Reserve has to make a choice of what they're going to do going forward. And if you believe some of the prognosticators, they think interest rates are actually going to come down at the second half of the year. Well, that that was the expectation. That's changed fairly dramatically in the last week or so. Now there's a 60% probability the Fed might hike by 25 basis points in June. But again, that's data dependent. And we know that the comps on inflation for the next couple of months are relatively easy. And by that, I mean, last year, inflation was running really hot. So this year, it's going to look a little better, but then it's going to reaccelerate in the summer months, in August in particular. And oil prices, too, they're a wild card. Gasoline prices are down 23% year on year. OPEC meets on June 4th. The Saudis need $80 oil, and our strategic petroleum reserve has been dwindled down. My get my bet is oil prices will move higher throughout the balance of the year. That will, again, make the Fed's job more complicated, but such, such is life. Well, and it's a big deal. You know, the old saying of you can't fight the Fed still exists. But, you know, these interest rates that were at zero, a lot of folks have said maybe that is, you know, something that we won't see again. But if you do believe that the Fed overshot, in other words, they raised interest rates so fast and so aggressively that they're really going to slow things down in, in the end of this year and in beginning of 2024. They may be in a predicament where they're going to have to change interest rates and get back down. That is something that we're going to watch. But what people keep forgetting, the Fed is not just raising rates. They're also doing QT, quantitative tightening. They're removing liquidity for the, for the, from the system. And as I mentioned earlier, a debt ceiling deal will also do the same thing. That's why in terms of the equity markets, you have to have a, a balanced approach. Yes, if we rally 5%, I think you'll lighten up a little bit. If we go down 5%, then you have dry powder to buy it. I mean, it's just, it's portfolio management, simple. It's risk management as well. And you talk about risk management, of course, folks, and you think about one of the things that you can do, and one of them, of course, is not overweighting, you know, the thing that I was talking about during the break is an overweighted position in a particular stock. Well, that is not a risk management tool that we would uh, encourage people to do, but that happens in portfolios. You need to go through your portfolio and make sure you know what you own, why you own it, and how much you're paying for it. And every single day, we have people come in and show us their statements, and we and we make suggestions about what they should do with their portfolio. That is one of the possibilities that you could look at when you come in and work with Annex Wealth Management. But, Derek, there are other defensive positions and postures that people can take. Right. Well, I don't believe in diversification. In other words, people think that, you know, the more stocks they own, the more diversified they diversification. are. That's diversification. Funny. Well, Peter Lynch coined that phrase a long time ago in, in, in One Up on Wall Street. And then there are just simple truths. You know, you're buying businesses. You're not buying stocks. And if it's a good business, you'll let it run because over time, they'll generate cash flows. They'll grow their earnings. They'll hire more people. They'll destroy their competitors. And that's a good thing to be in. So you don't want to buy garbage. You don't want to buy stocks just because they're cheap. You want to buy stocks that have a catalyst, a good management team, and frankly, a company where the insiders own a lot of shares. And you look at a lot of this information, folks, and we go through every one of our holdings. Uh, we've got a great team in our investment portfolio team, and they really go through every one of these. They listen to the earnings calls. They do the work. So if you're interested in employing us, you can go to AnnexWealth.com and hit the Get Started button. By the way, transition of business is a complicated process, but it's something our team is equipped to handle. What are the concerns when this time comes? We're going to dig into that right after the break. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. 
If the only tool you have is a hammer, everything you fix looks like a nail. Same thing goes for some annuity salesmen. Need help with tax planning? Maybe you need an annuity. Recession coming? Have you tried an annuity? Retirement planning? You get the picture. Sometimes you need more than a one-tool solution. It's time for serious fee-only fiduciary planning from Annex Wealth Management. Our in-house team of experts will offer you a rigorously tested plan built just for you. Annex Wealth Management. Know the difference. Need to reach Annex Wealth Management but want to skip the computer? No problem. Call us. 239-350-6363. 239-350-6363. Let's talk soon. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management. Blood, sweat, tears, the ingredients to build a business. What happens when it's time to retire and transition away? Somebody uniquely equipped to discuss this, Brandon Lehman, Director of Annex, Private Client at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome back. Danny. So there's a top concern for business owners. Actually, there's a couple. What happens to the employees? Can I maximize the value of the business at the time of the sale? And can I make this thrive for generations to come? There's challenges that we've seen at Annex, and we've worked hand-in-hand with business owners to guide toward a favorable conclusion. Brandon, let's start with family transitions. Typically, a third-generation family transition, it's something we don't see as much anymore. Correct. I mean, the old adage you've heard is that transitioning to third generation is just the most difficult that doesn't happen. And that can be for a whole host of reasons we've seen historically is it's that generation now three removed from the start isn't as interested in the business. They don't want to focus on it like their grandparents did and their their parents did. They want to do something different. And as somebody who is now fourth generation access to a family business, I'm not there either. It's definitely something you see as you get down the generational line. They just don't want to be there. Business transitions, talking about the challenges. Here's one, economic slowdown. It could dent the business values before retirement can happen. It could, and you're starting to see that a little bit now. So if we look back at 2021, probably in my career, the most active business transition I've ever seen. Move on from last year and the rising interest rates and all the changes and now potential for a recession on the horizon, a lot of this is dialed back. Part of that has to do with the rates rising. There's no more free money, air quotes, from the Fed. There's a lot of things going on, specifically talks of recession are making this dialed back more now. We've talked about this for all of our clients. Do business owners struggle with life after work? I think that's one of the biggest struggles we've encountered. And it's because they've poured their heart and soul into this business for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. So we had a meeting this morning with somebody, 40 years they worked on this business and now they've moved out of it. Now, good thing for them, they're back doing some consulting so they feel involved in it. But that's the hardest thing you see is you need to retire to something not from something. Sometimes we see small partnerships that own a business that presents a unique ownership transition challenge. Well, it does. So first of that, you start to think about, okay, if we're partnerships and we have an age gap, well, maybe one wants to leave and one doesn't. How do you pay for that? How do you do that? But then the other side of it is, well, one business owner might value it at X and another might value it at Y. How do you come to an agreement on that to make a sale to achieve those goals? Not only is it difficult when your business partner Imagine being family sometimes and having huge age gaps or goals for the business that you have for the next generation and your siblings or your partners don't share the same. It can get a little complicated when you look at the partnership side of it. I'm going to guess it sure would help to have a formal succession plan. Are they hard to come by? Are they difficult to do? I wouldn't say they're difficult to do. There's a lot of work, right? There's a lot of effort, a lot of thought process that has to go into these things. But 
it is definitely a number one concern of how do you build the right business plan. So there's a survey out there and most business owners value comprehensive reporting and planning from financial advisors who, this is key, can act as their personal CFO in creating a proactive plan and executing financial strategies. It's important because there's a lot of moving parts here. Again, as I explained to the folks earlier today, they've poured their heart and soul into this. They know that business really well. Now let us help them. We're with Brandon Lehman, director of Annex Private Client, speaking about business owners stepping away and into retirement and the factors they need to deal with. How about next generation leaders getting funding for this? Do they lack capital for a buyout or do they have difficulty with it? They definitely have difficulty with it. Not all necessarily lack the funding, but to come up with cold, hard cash, right, to buy somebody out. It's not easy, especially if you're younger. Let's say you're in your late 30s or even early 40s. Just getting that cold, hard capital to do that wasn't so hard maybe three years ago when lending rates were much better, when you could get much better interest rates, but now it's definitely becoming difficult. It's working with those business owners and consultants and accountants and attorneys as well to come up with a plan to transition this efficiently, effectively, and most importantly, that it's a good deal for everybody around. One of the biggest things we've seen is phantom equity arrangements are a big part of what is potentially being floated out there to help with these succession plans. How about the buzzsaw of taxes? I mean, that's a whole nother discussion in and of itself. But really, when you look at it, understanding, is it a goodwill sale? Is it an asset sale? What is the breakdown? How do we do it? That's just something we dive really deep in the weeds to help them understand all the minutiae that goes into this type of situation. Business transitions, the difficulties, the challenges. I like this because this tells you that the owners have heart. How about concerns for long-term customers and employees? Well, that's the biggest part I think that I've encountered personally in my career is these folks have poured their heart and soul, as I said earlier, for tens of years, 20, 30, 40 years, and they've built a reputation. They've built a customer base that relies on them, relies on their employees. And these employees have looked to these folks to supply them with their livelihoods for an extended period of time. Again, looking at my situation, there are people that have worked for my family for 40 years. So that's a long time. So there's a lot of concern on how do you take care of them? And it really gnaws at them. Am I making the right decision? Is this not just best for me, but best for my employees and best for my customers? How does Xanax help in something like this? The way we work with these folks is we sit down and we start to analyze all of it. We bring in all of their team members. So the accountants, the attorneys, the advisors in terms of the sale, start to have discussions. So we look at it from a personal standpoint, from a business standpoint, we tie it all together. We try and be that quarterback of the entire situation to help them. Brandon Lehman, Director of Annex Private Client. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Danny. Hey, what's discordant retirement? I can tell you this, it's not good, and we'll talk about it next on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. In a recent study, over one-third of millionaires predicted their ability to feel financially secure in retirement is going to, quote, take a miracle. At Annex Wealth Management, we believe a plan, not a miracle, will help increase your retirement confidence. Our team of experts gets to work using leading-edge technology to build a comprehensive plan covering investment, retirement, tax, and estate planning. And Annex doesn't have products to push with hidden fees or commissions. There's too much of that already. Annex is a fee-only fiduciary. More planning, less miracles. Know the difference. AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference? Discordant retirement. That's a thing. It sounds like a marital spat, but it really just describes a phenomenon retirement researchers have been digging into lately, the fact that few married couples retire at the same time. Deanne Phillips is here to talk about this. She's Director of Client Learning and Development at Annex Wealth Management, as well as the CFP and a CDFA Certified Divorce Financial Analyst. Welcome back, Deanne. Hey, thanks for having me. Discordant retirement. This is a thing. It really is. 
Retirement's very complex. Years ago, people were tired when they retired. And here we talk about retirement in multiple stages. And psychologists, of course, have talked about this a lot. We call it when you first retire your go-go years, where first you're in the honeymoon stage. You have that honey-do list. You have the things that you always dreamed about doing. And then your slower-go years, then your no-go years, right? Slower-go and no-go make a little bit more sense, but it's those go-go years. And when you hit that at different ages and you've got one spouse, usually the wife who's still potentially working, there's a whole different phase that you can go through. And that is rediscovering yourself and how you're going to spend that money in that very first part of retirement. So you see this all the time. What would you say is the percentage of couples who do not retire at the same time? Well, there was a recent survey by Fidelity Investments that found that about 43%, so almost half of married couples, disagreed about the age they'll retire. You know, the average age of retirement is 63, but that's a difficult statistic to answer, Danny, because half of those people go back to work in some capacity. So everybody really goes through a phase of defining what is retirement. You know, we saw about 10 years ago a slew of um, the younger baby boomers who might have lost their jobs. There There was downsizing that was happening. And when you're downsized in your late 50s, early 60s, you're kind of faced with the decision then, do I want to go ahead and find something in my old field? Will I be able to? Will there be, even if it's not mentioned, some sort of what I feel is age discrimination or do I just slip into retirement now? So discordant retirement's been around for a while. The question is, you know, how do people pick themselves up from their bootstraps and get beyond that first self-identification phase? What's the problem if they can't agree on when they're going to retire? Uh, that, well, it's, okay. it's really a psychological answer okay. to that question. When my parents retired, my dad retired first, my mom worked for another couple of years, and it seemed just fine. Was that their generation? Yeah, it really is. So greatest generation, when women entered the workforce during that generation, it was a, a little bit of different assumptions. They still were making that bridge to, remember, women didn't sit on boards much mm-hmm. then. They didn't run companies as much then. So it was really making that bridge to being outside of the traditional June Cleaver role and really working. So it was a little bit easier for them to, I'm making generalization here, but to slip back into that supportive role in the home later on. Now you flash forward to the Gen Xers and certainly the Gen Ys and you look at our generation as Gen Xers, Danny, you know, the women, of course we were going to, for the most part, go to college and work a full time, have a career. And women's and, and men's brains, because we're wired differently. Women are just so used to having that multitasking. You know, we have to have the, we're the caretaker, maybe our aging parents, the kids, we're the ones who have to have the kids, right? And so we take time off for that a little bit, potentially. We have our friends, we have our social experience. When we look at how men generate, we're operating into that retirement. It really depends on their personality type. But remember, someone who's an A-type personality does not stop being an A-type personality in retirement. We're talking about discordant retirement with Deanne Phillips. There's a discordant phase. One spouse works uh, longer than another. We should talk about great financial planning because that's what Annex Wealth Management does. And this is where really you get into eligibility for pensions or when are you going to start taking Social Security distributions? When do you start pulling from that bucket? Right. So obviously there's a lot of financial decisions that have to be made as you are moving up to the point where you're deciding upon retirement, whether or not you're retiring at the same age 
or not. But if there is that discordance, if one spouse is going to continue working and the other does happen to retire early uh, before the age of 65, let's call that early from a healthcare point of view, because that's when you can take Medicare, right? That's when it can kick in. So you have to look at things as a financial planner, like your healthcare benefits, your Medicare benefits, what that bridge is going to look like and what that expense will be. So we talked about planning. Also, we need to talk about vision. We do ask our clients, you know, are you thinking that you're going to age in place? And what that really means is if you're going to do a major revision remodeling and you're in your late 50s, early 60s, are you going to stay there or why are you doing it? You know, what's your thought behind it? It's never too early to begin the discussion of how you envision your downtime together. You know, as, as a certified divorce financial analyst, you know, unfortunately, we've really seen the rise of gray divorce. That's divorce in people over the age of 50 because they have this discordant timing and or thought on what that's going to look like that you're going to want to start a conversation with with your spouse. Deanne Phillips, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. Would you trust a part-time dentist? Then why would you trust a part-time fiduciary? Some financial professionals say they're a fiduciary and they are part-time. The other portion of the time they're interacting with you, they might be serving other interests. Do yourself a favor. Ask your financial professional if they're a fiduciary all the time. Annex Wealth Management is. Drill down into your finances with the full-time fiduciary team at Annex Wealth Management. Know the difference. Time for Ask Annex. Got a question for us? You head to the website, AnnexWealth.com. Look for the Ask button. If we can help, you always click that Get Started button. Sarah Kyle's in the studio. She's a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome. Hi, Danny. And we got Trevor Nargis, senior trader. Welcome to you. Hey, Danny. First question is anonymous. I have no idea how to invest in T-bills or other type of fixed income. Is this something Annex will do on behalf of a client? So I would start off by saying, don't worry. It's okay if you don't know. But this can actually be done quite easily through many of the major custodians that are out there. Some platforms have a separate area within their software dedicated to fixed income trading where one can look to invest in things like treasuries, CDs, corporate bonds, et cetera, et cetera. But to give you a short and sweet answer to the second part of your question, yes, this is something that our investment team and our traders do proactively on behalf of Annex clients. Okay, our next two questions are actually graduation related. So we'll take the first one. My son just graduated from college and is already employed. His company 401k matches 6%. Should he contribute above the match or put the money somewhere else? He has an HSA option as well. He believes he can put away a total of 15% of his salary. Well, that's great. Congrats to uh, your son for graduating and having a job. What a nice thing to have coming out of college. But anyway, I would suggest for sure taking advantage of that match and contributing enough to get that match match, but it's also important to have that diversified savings strategy, and it's a good idea to build up that emergency fund. So he should set aside a portion of his income to build up at least three to six months worth of living expenses. I would also recommend contributing to that HSA and maxing that out if he can. As you know, that's one of my favorite savings vehicles. It's also a good idea to start an individual brokerage account and have that disciplined strategy to contribute a certain amount every month. You know, that's a more of a taxable account. That's money you can access now, and it'll give him some flexibility later on for spending. And if he has extra money at the end of the year, he can always contribute to a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA, depending on his income. Next graduation question. 
planning ahead. We have two grandchildren graduating from college next spring. We'd like to give them money, but believe there should be stipulations. Is that possible? We want to give them a head start, but want to avoid frivolous spending on their part. Well, that is a very nice thing to do for your grandchildren, for sure. I guess if you want to give them stipulations, that would probably just have to be an agreement with them, unless you wanted to set up some sort of trust, but I don't know if you want to go to that expense. You know, you can offer to contribute to their IRAs or their Roth IRAs or do a match for them, but that's money that they wouldn't access for a while. You could also help them out with rent. But number one is education. It's really important to teach them how to save and how to invest. Show them the power of compounding. You know, I think one of the nicest things you could do is really open up a brokerage account for them and buy some stocks or start having them contribute to it as well and buy the stocks that maybe of companies they're interested in and get them involved early on investing and encourage them to start contributing to it. It's Ask Annex. Next question. My wife and I are moving to another city for work. We're planning on renting for 12 months to get a lay of the land and see if we like it. We're selling our current home and should net $150,000. Where can we park that money that has enough liquidity that if we find something, we can access it for a down payment. Yeah, there's a couple different ways that this can be done, but one really popular approach to cash management right now in an effort to capture some additional yield above what you might get in a traditional bank account would be money market mutual funds. When I say money market mutual funds, there's a couple different types of these, right? Many major custodians have them, but there's prime money market funds, there's government and treasury money market funds, and there's also municipal money market funds. Really, it's just a matter of what those funds invest in as far as their underlying assets. So things like prime money market funds tend to pay a little bit higher rate than what you see on some standard kind of broader scale money market funds. Prime funds tend to invest in high quality short-term securities that are issued by things like U.S. and foreign entities, commercial paper, maybe treasuries, things like that. Whereas government and treasury money market funds tend to invest in short-term U.S. government securities. So what people like about money markets in addressing the liquidity part of your question, one, they're able to earn some excess yield above what they see in the bank, but these funds are pretty liquid. If you sell, those funds are typically available the next business day. So while you're getting an attractive yield on those funds, it also keeps things fairly liquid for you so that if you need to pull that trigger and you find something that you like, you can go ahead and make a move. And our final question on Ask Annex is from Kim. I watched a favorite stock of mine take a 40% downturn in the last three months. It's not so much a favorite anymore, but I have a hard time letting it go. How do I determine if it's past saving? At this point, do I just harvest losses? Kim, I applaud you for reaching out because people like to talk about their winners. No one really likes to talk about their losers. So I think there's a little more to this question, though. You know, stock prices tend to fluctuate and a 40% drawdown can be really hard to deal with. And when you see this kind of multiple contraction in a stock, it's important to revisit fundamentals and see if anything has materially changed with regard to how the underlying business operates. So it's important to look at the balance sheet, cash flows, and if the business is executing on its mission. There's been significant multiple contraction across many high growth names. Focus on the fundamentals. And if you're not comfortable with fundamentals, then reevaluate if it's worth holding. Kind of a trader tip is you should have a stop loss when you are investing in stocks. Typically, you shouldn't let a stock go down 40% on you. You know, after you buy a stock, you could easily put a stop loss limit in there, which means you indicate a limit where it will trigger a sell automatically. But now that you're down 40%, you really need to make 67% to get back to even. Like Trevor said, you have to um, do an analysis on 
is there opportunity? Why was that stock high to begin with? Is it just coming down now because it came back down to earth? Because it was high and inflated just for no reason? So you really have to evaluate it. And in the future, I would highly recommend doing a stop loss. Sarah Kyle, Wealth Manager, thank you. You're welcome, Danny. Trevor Narger, Senior Trader, thank you. Hey, thank you. Pay the taxes you owe and not a cent more. That headline got my attention. We'll talk about it next on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. It starts with a call. With one call, you can start seeing your future more clearly. If your financial picture is cloudy because you're getting conflicting tax, investment, and estate planning advice, help is a call or a click away. Annex Wealth Management's team works to get your investment plan in line with your tax plan and your estate plan. Build confidence with one team working to create one comprehensive plan as a fee-only fiduciary. Annex Wealth Management. One team, one plan, one fee. AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? Back with Jeff Day, Branch Director and Wealth Manager. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Danny. How's this for a headline? Pay the taxes you owe and not a cent more. That caught my attention. I'm all for that. Jeff, I'm sure you are too. Yes, uh, we hear that commonly. This came from an article on Kiplingers.com. We're going to talk about it with Jeff, and I'm going to quote from the article. It's not exactly a secret the United States government has a spending problem. National debt, $31.5 trillion and counting, and at some point the bill is going to come due. One possible scenario, of course, would be massive increase in taxes unless something changes between now and then the 2017 tax cuts are set to expire at the end of 2025 tactic number one jeff we should talk about roth conversions yeah so with with the tax cut and jobs act set to expire for 2025 into 2026 will be the new tax year resetting back to the old tax tables you want to be aware of the potential tax increase that that could impact your financial plan and when we think about the qualified retirement dollars think 401k IRAs, Roth IRAs, Roth 401ks, you want to have the right mix. And if you don't have the right current mix of pre-tax and after-tax or tax-free investment, Roth conversions can help you get there. Now, it's not a, a tax-free event, and we, we work with our clients every single day here at Adams Wealth Management to determine the level of Roth conversions that you want to do. If we think about that Roth conversion, it can be incredibly impactful to move from the pre-tax or as it comes out, tax to you bucket to the post-tax or tax-free bucket, if we think of that. And tax-free income in retirement can be incredibly impactful. If you're saving along the way and you're thinking about, do I want to defer into a pre-tax or Roth or after-tax deferral into your 401k or into your IRA, you want to consider that you have the right amount in each bucket or envelope, as I like to think about it. And if you don't, again, we can move between them. If we think about doing that right amount, as I mentioned earlier, it will have an impact on your taxes and we want to mitigate future taxation because tax rates will go up in the future and you take that variable off the table if you convert to Roth or after-tax dollars. That's one of the many benefits of considering a Roth conversion. Tactic number two we're going to talk about, qualified charitable distributions. These are nice vehicles. They are really nice vehicles. And what it allows you to do with required minimum distributions that are that IRAs are subject to or 401ks are subject to with special qualifiers, at age 70 and a half, you can effectively give the money directly to the charity without recognizing that distribution as income. And that can be incredibly impactful if you're charitably inclined and want to give that money away anyway. So if you have that ability and would like to give away to charity, taking advantage of that qualified charitable distribution or QCD as we like to think of it can be an incredibly impactful strategy when we think about our tax planning that we do here every single day to Annex Wealth Management. We're with Jeff Day, Branch Director and a Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management. Headline says, pay the taxes you owe and not a cent more. 
were tactic number three, a donor-advised fund. What's the difference between that and a QCD? The donor-advised fund, if you're not familiar with the concept, what it allows us to do is make a charitable contribution in a single tax year, but you don't have to necessarily disperse that monies all in one year to the charity of your choice. It's a special fund that's carved out to say, again, we can front-load that charitable contribution, and I typically will match that up with maybe a Roth conversion in the same tax year to help assuage the blow, if you will, from a tax perspective, if you're going to give that money away anyway, yet have the ability to distribute those monies from the donor advice fund over a number of years. So I like to think four to five years would be a good number to start with if we think about making that contribution. So think four to five years of charitable contributions, putting that money into that donor advised fund in the tax year where you have an elevated income level, whether it's from a bonus or from a Roth conversion, and that can really save on your taxes and ultimately help you achieve your goal from a charitable perspective. Our fourth and final tactic Make sure you are aware of the age for RMDs because they have changed. Yeah, so we're now at age 73 for RMDs. And if you are turning 75, you know, at 2033 or later, you're going you're gonna to get bumped back a couple more years, actually. That was something that recently changed here with the SECURE Act. You know, that might seem well and good, but we need to be mindful of how RMDs can be a drag on your overall tax plan because you'll have to recognize those distributions as income. And at the end of the day, if you don't need the money, we can reinvest the money, but you do still have to pay the taxes on it. And that can be significant depending on the level of balance that you have. Required minimum distributions work like this. We take the 1231 balance from the prior year and we divide that by the denominator that the IRS gives us. And that calculates to the requirement for the required minimum distribution. And at the end of the day, we're trying to minimize that tax impact. And things like Roth conversions or being mindful of charitable distributions can really help to reduce that requirement and then ultimately reduce the tax impact that you might have throughout your financial plan. Something you really want to consider is when you're building that financial plan with a fee-only fiduciary like Annex management. So make sure that you've got your most optimized strategy in hand. Hey folks, how about partnering with Annex Wealth Management? Keep an eye out for you so you can do the rest of your life. Website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Jeff Day, Branch Director, Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management. Thanks for joining us. Always a pleasure. 10 things you need to know about 401ks next on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. Investment and retirement planning is personal. The Annex Wealth Management way is to meet you where you're at. That's the best place to start. Seasoned investor, careful saver, or do-it-yourself for tidying up loose ends? If you're ready for comprehensive wealth management from the fee-only fiduciaries at Annex, so are we. Maybe you're stuck and not sure what to do next. It's time for Wealth Metric with a deep dive on investment, retirement, and tax planning. Know the difference with a fee-only fiduciary. Start today at AnnexWealth.com. Cut through the clutter with Axiom, the weekly newsletter from Annex Wealth Management. Subscribe today for seven insights built and delivered to you every Sunday. It'll help you navigate the markets and the things that affect your money. The Axiom. Sign up at AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management, joined by Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services, Annex Wealth Management. Welcome back. Good to be here, Danny. Saw a magazine article titled, 401k plans, 10 things you should know. Subhead was, when it comes to 401k plans, it's your money, but your boss and the government make the rules. 401ks are the most popular retirement account in the United States. One third of workers had a 401k style account in 2020, about double the number of IRA accounts and triple those with pensions. We're going to run these 10 things by you, Tom. Check your reaction. The first is there are rules for 401k plans. Danny, they're... Good. Uh, 
There are so many rules, Danny, in these plans. So keep in mind that um, 401k plans are governed by the Department of Labor. The Internal Revenue Service is also very much involved in this. So there are thousands of pages of rules associated with retirement plans. So when you hear about things that retirement plans can or cannot do, you might be hearing about what's legal, but then you get into a question of, like you said, the uh, government and your employer make the rules. So there's a question of which rules do they adopt for that specific plan. So it's very difficult to talk about this broadly because there are so many rules. Number two, early retirees can start withdrawals at age 55. Good, fine, right? Depends on a number of conditions. So you have to be retired from the job that was in question. But yes, it gives you an opportunity to access that money at age 55 when the situation is permissible. Number three, taxes depend on the type of 401k. Taxes depend on all sorts of stuff, Danny. But I think what they're talking about here is Roth versus pre-tax. And that's one thing that I think most people are starting to get a better feeling for. Most plans now do offer Roth. The one catch that we often have people get confused on, the income limitations on Roth contributions do not apply in 401k plans. So just keep that in mind. But yeah, it depends on whether you're doing pre-tax or Roth. Either way, you're getting a tax benefit. 401k plans, 10 things you should know. Number four, if your employer goes bankrupt, the funds could be frozen. This one was a little, when I read that, I was like, wait a minute, what are they talking about here? Um, And that's just a question. The funds are held separate in a trust. So you don't need to worry. Your funds are not in jeopardy, which is kind of what I read when I saw that, that headline. But what they're meaning is with the dissolution of a company, they might hold off on distributing the retirement money, but it would still be in your account and still be getting invested. So don't freak out about that one. Yeah, that's much better. Number five, your employer sets the investment options. Yes. With most retirement plans, there's a broad spectrum of investments from which to choose. We actually play a, a very key role in this as well when we're acting as an investment fiduciary. So we make the menu, but then you get to choose how you're going to allocate your money among that that menu of investments. And usually it's a pretty broad spectrum of stuff. So it sounds limiting, but it's really not a bad thing. Number six, moving to an IRA has become easier. Well, with technology, you would think it's easier. Legislatively, they're trying to make it easier. That is, I think, an accurate statement, although people might not always feel like that's the case <laughs> when they're having to move it from one place to the other, but I digress. 401k plans, 10 things you should know. Number seven, you can consolidate multiple 401k plans. You probably want to, right? We usually tell people when you're leaving your employer, don't leave the money there. Bring it with you, whether that's rolling it into an IRA or rolling it into your new employer's plan. Your new employer's plan might have some restrictions on that, but for sure you can consolidate them into IRAs most of the time. I always have to be careful about saying yep, for yep. sure, but yeah, generally speaking speaking, good idea and easy to do. Number eight, some plans allow loans in retirement. That's a surprise, Danny, because generally speaking, that is not something, you know, the way loans are paid back in 401k plans is very complicated. I tend to tell people to avoid taking loans from their 401k plan. Certainly, if you plan on paying that thing into retirement, I have not seen many plans that offer this, so don't count on it. Okay. Yeah, I hadn't heard much of that either. Number nine, RMDs apply, but rules are changing, and this is really in flux, isn't it? it yeah. For the longest time, it was 70 and a half. That's when required minimum distributions, you had to start taking them. Then Secure Act changed it to 72, then Secure Act 2.0 brought in the age 73. Just understand that at some point in your 70s, when you're retired, you're going to have to start taking money out whether you want to or not. At that point in time, hopefully you're working with an advisor and they're walking you through all that stuff. 401k plans, 10 things you should know. Number 10, incorrect beneficiary listings create headaches. How many times have we heard this story? Well, you know, I guess the good news is, Danny, it only creates headaches for the people who survived, not the person who improperly filled out the beneficiary (laughs) form. But yeah, please do keep an eye on that because it's just unnecessary headaches. It's easy enough these days to, to make sure that you're on top of your beneficiary form. And we've said it before, and we're going to say it again. Benefits matter. 
how does the retirement plan services team at Annex Wealth Management provide that value for company owners or CFOs and HR professionals? Thankfully, we've got a big team, Danny, and it goes from helping employers understand their fiduciary responsibilities. We already talked a little bit about helping with the investment selection for those employers, but then helping the employees with their investment selection and financial planning takes a lot of people and we're very fortunate to have a lot of those people here at Annex. You know, every time you see an opening posted, what do they say? 401k plan, right? It's very near the top of the list of benefits, if not at the top of most postings. For investment, retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning as a fee-only fiduciary, know the difference. Our website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Start that wealth metric process. Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services, Annex Wealth Management. Thanks for joining us. Look forward to talking to you again soon, Danny. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, Memorial Day weekend. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to be back. More to come, 92.5 Fox News. In a recent study, over one-third of millionaires predicted their ability to feel financially secure in retirement is going to take a miracle. At Annex Wealth Management, we believe a plan, not a miracle, will help increase your retirement confidence. Our team of experts gets to work using leading-edge technology to build a comprehensive plan covering investment, retirement, tax, and estate planning. And Annex doesn't have products to push with hidden fees or commissions. There's too much of that already. More planning, less miracles. Build confidence with Annex Wealth Management. AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? At Annex, we do holistic planning. And maybe that sounds a little new age, but it's not. Let's try the word comprehensive. Clients receive investment and retirement planning, tax planning, estate planning services. And that's where our next guest comes in. Welcome back to the show. Estate planning attorney, Annex Wealth Management, Joe Martin. Hey, Joe. Thanks, Danny. Good to be here. Got to tell you, I read recently it takes an average of 570 hours to settle an estate. I was shocked. That is a big number. That is a big number. And I don't know that that's completely accurate. That might be a little on the high end, but it really depends on the complexity of that estate and the asset mix that may be being passed on to the next generation. You said it, the more valuable the estate, the maybe the longer it takes to settle. And again, this was a company that kind of peddles this service. So maybe they're on the high end to kind of scare people. But settling estate, review me on this, it falls to the executor, right? It, it does when we're talking about probate and using a will, okay? So that's when a quote-unquote executor or a personal representative, if someone has a revocable trust as part of their estate plan, that duty would fall onto a trustee. In addition, sometimes there isn't one of those people. If everything went through beneficiary designations, it's on the beneficiaries to contact and file the claim forms and all those things. So it can really be divided among a variety of different people that have to quote unquote settle the estate. I learned that firsthand, right? And you kind of helped me through that. My dad's estate was set up in a beneficiary manner, but still there were a couple things that that we needed some help on. Thank you, Annex Wealth Management and Joe Martin. What is the job of the executor? There's a couple core things that that executor needs to do. Number one is they have to safeguard all of those assets and that property for the benefit of the beneficiaries. Okay, so that means you have to figure out what are all the assets, what are they worth, what do we do with them? You come across situations where the executor isn't necessarily a beneficiary. It might be someone else or a corporate individual that's really there to do what's in the best interest of the family. And so sometimes that executor might have some conflicts of interest as a beneficiary and an executor. And you want to make sure you're finding a good person to do that. It's funny you bring that up. And we talked about this on the Annex Wealth Management YouTube channel. There's a playlist of 20 videos dedicated to estate planning. And, and 
it is worth a visit. We have one that I nicknamed, should your brother-in-law Bob be your executor? Spoiler alert, I think we determined he should not be. I agree with you on that one. I think we did in that segment determine that mm, maybe Bob's not the right choice. We're talking about the hours and the work. Maybe these people have full-time jobs. They're grieving as well if they're a loved one. 570 hours, as you said, is a lot, but 57 hours is a lot. What makes that number climb? It really depends on the complexity of the assets, right? If you've got a couple of bank accounts, you know, and maybe an annuity or, or something like that, it's going to be fast and easy. But if you have a house or a piece of real estate, it's going to need to be valued it's going to need to be cleaned out. Let's think about just how long would it take you to clean out your parents' house? That could be 57 hours in and of itself. If they've been hoarders or they've collected things over the years, there are services you can hire to help do a lot of these things, but you are still the responsible party as that executor that needs to coordinate and manage all of that. Are executors compensated? They certainly can be. So having a well-crafted estate plan, that should be the goal. Let's do estate planning 101. Before you get into the specifics of like assets, you really do need a conversation with the person, right? You do, right? It used to be that people would feel honored. Oh, you've named me as your executor or your trustee. That might not necessarily be the honor that you think it is. With it comes a lot of work, as we've talked about today. So you want to make sure that the person that you're naming, A, is capable, that they are going to have the time and maybe the expertise to be able to handle finances and manage things like that. You want to be careful about who that is. And, and that's really, really important because you also want to make sure you're telling them that you've named them in that role. I've talked to many of our clients who they didn't even know they were named in an estate plan to be an executor. And all of a sudden it's like, whoa, I don't know anything about this person's finances. I don't even know where to start. That makes the process hard too. How granular should it be? I mean, there are fights you hear season ticket fights, even like cherished rings or something. That's a good idea to define that stuff, but that could be exhausting. At the very least, the pre-conversation would maybe prevent some nasty fights. It can. So I always tell people that communication of the estate plan is a critical element in the process. It's usually the last piece that's done, and it doesn't necessarily need to talk about the finances that are, are involved, but you want to talk to them about the overall plan and the strategy of the estate. That conversation allows you to head off some of those battles. But as we all know, when someone passes away and there's money involved, people can get a little crazy. I, I've seen awful situations. I've seen three grown men fight over mom's handwritten recipe cards. You can't predict that. You can't put that into the estate plan because you have no idea, right? So you can do as much planning as you can, but sometimes there are just going to be issues that crop up that you can't pre-plan for. But bottom line, get a plan prior to passing that's going to cut down on the time, the energy, and the cost of settling that estate. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because what happens is, is if you don't have a plan, then nobody's really in charge. And so then it becomes who's going to take responsibility to do all of these things because somebody's going to need to step up. And if there's liabilities involved, it very well could be a creditor that's going to step in and deal with this. And that's probably the worst case scenario that you could have. Annex Wealth Management, we do investment and retirement planning, tax planning, and as you just heard, lots of detail with estate planning. That's what we do. Start at AnnexWealth.com. Jill Martin, estate planning attorney. Thank you for joining us. You're welcome. Would you trust a part-time dentist? Then why would you trust a part-time fiduciary? Some financial professionals say they're a fiduciary, and they are part-time. The other portion of the time they're interacting with you, they might be serving other interests. Do yourself a favor. Ask your financial professional if they're a fiduciary all the time. Annex Wealth Management is.
Drill down into your finances with the full-time fiduciary team at Annex Wealth Management. Know the difference. Back on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. Reminder, this show is going to be on Spotify and Apple Podcasts at the top of the hour. If you came in partway through or if you'd like to listen to it again as a podcast, that would be great. I'm Danny Clayton, now joined in the studio by Mark Beck, our Chief Growth Officer. Welcome. Thank you. Also, Tanya Sinha, Manager of Tax Planning and a CPA at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome to you. Thank you, Danny. Tanya, let's talk about tax planning season. And people are thinking, wait a minute, it's May, we're past tax season, but that's tax prep season, right? That's really from, I don't know, let's call it middle of February through April 15th through the tax deadline, which is right around there every single year. Tax planning season is different, however. Tax planning season is when we take last year's tax return and use it to help inform where we're headed. So we're going to do some things like multi-year projections. We're going to look at this year and opportunities and all of those kinds of things. And you know, listeners out there, if you're working with a wealth management firm, this is the time you take the tax return to them and say, okay, let's begin our tax planning forward-looking and see where we're headed from that perspective. And what I think is really critical to make that successful is open dialogue. Dialogue, of course, what's happening in your life, what are things that might be changing. I think about this for people that have particular changes coming up. I don't know, it might be that there's a divorce, uh, maybe you lost a spouse. Those are areas, of course, that can be kind of very personal outcomes, but also can have some ramification in terms of your tax planning. So connecting those dots. Uh, another example would be people who maybe are going to change jobs. And changing jobs sometimes comes with ramifications especially, for example, with executives that we work with who have particular types of executive compensation or characteristics within their 401k plans. So I want to talk about a few of those spaces. Uh, In particular, we could talk about someone who's maybe changing jobs or heading into retirement who has accumulated money inside their 401k and a big portion of it's invested within that employer's stock. So these are people who work for publicly traded companies, you know, where the stock is traded on the stock exchange, and they may have built up some of their wealth within their 401k in that company stock. And there's an opportunity that they need to explore right away if they're going to find themselves in a transition. I agree with you, Mark. There is a strategy for executives who are heavily invested in their company's stocks because they get all these stock options and they have to exercise them. And then all these stocks are, they over time, they appreciate. And we all know overall general thinking is that anytime you invest in traditional 401k, when you take it out, it will be taxed at ordinary income. But there is a strategy which is called NUA, with which when clients come to us, some of their income gets taxed to ordinary tax brackets, but then we are able to diversify some of that tax bracket from ordinary to capital gains because there are some strategies and we have a team who works exclusively on any ways. They have the talent and, you know, all the knowledge to work with this. So, yeah, in general, when if people does not use a wealth advisor, they land up paying ordinary taxes on this built-in appreciated stocks in in their 401k. Right, right. Potentially leaving behind a big opportunity. So NUA, net unrealized appreciation, is the opportunity set that we're talking about here. Um, another area for executives, by the way, that we run into sometimes um, is deferred compensation plans. 
So when you get to a point where your employer gives you an opportunity to defer more of your income above your 401k limit, you sometimes have an executive deferred comp plan in place. And that opens up some opportunities there because it may have a payout structure where it's going to pay you in a single year or over a series of years, maybe like a five-year period. But you should be looking at the ramifications of those taxes and seeing if there are some strategies for that particular year that might help you limit that tax liability. Donor advised fund would be a quick example. Correct. And there is no one size fit all. You know, we will never say, okay, if you're getting divorced, uh, you know, deferred comp, you know, take it all in lump sum. It works for some people. It doesn't work for other people. So some sometimes we have to tell them, you know, hold off to that, you know, take it in installments. Tanya Sinha is manager of tax planning and a CPA at Annex Wealth Management. Really glad to have you on the team. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Danny. And Mark Beck is our chief growth officer. Thank you for jumping on. Appreciate it. Thank you. Folks, 2023 is another roller coaster, that's for sure. Can we get you set for the next six months, the next year, beyond? See what we can do for you. Just click that Get Started button at AnnexWealth.com. Stay safe, stay healthy, folks. And remember, Memorial Day, a whole lot more than a regular holiday. It costs a lot. See you next Sunday at noon. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. The Annex Wealth Management Show is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation.